David L. Espinoza. Nicole L. G. Darren T. Hoover. Ryan C. Naus. Hunter Lopez. Riley J. McCollum. Dylan R. Marola. Kareem M. Nikui. Joanny Rosario Pachardo. Humberto A. Sanchez. Jared M. Schmitz. Maxon W. Soviak. Dagan W. Page. Those are the names of the 13 service members who died in last Thursday's Kabul airport attacks. I ask that you continue to pray for all servicemen and women and continue to remember the 13 who gave their lives for defending ours. Now please join me in a moment of silence. Thank you. And now... On with the show. Welcome to the Deacon Deacon Podcast. We hope you enjoy your stay. to the Deacon Deacon Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Striano, and we have another great episode planned for you all today. We start in soccer, where we see the reunion for one of the greatest soccer players to ever play the game, and we recap week three of the Premier League. We then go into the MLB, where MLB.com reports seven races that we need to keep an eye on for, and they're not just division races, individual ones as well. Finally, we get to college football. Yes, college football is back, and I am very excited, and I'm very nervous for my team, and I'll get to that later on in the show. Finally, I recap what was my underwhelming, underwhelming, or it's my underwhelming review of the Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley boxing pay-per-view event. So, without further ado... Let's get things started. Let's get things started in the world of soccer. Now Ronaldo. Long way out. What a goal! Not too far out for him. What a night when Manchester United had to score. They have scored inside six minutes. It's the player from Portugal who has hammered it in here in Porto and hammered Manchester United into an early lead. You guys don't even know 
what I did when I found out that Cristiano Ronaldo, one of, I'm not saying the, but one of the world's greatest soccer players, decided he wanted to come back to his old club, my club, of Manchester United. There were rumors, there were links with Ronaldo to cross-town rival Manchester City. But before we get into the Ronaldo breakdown, this transfer window has been insane. It's been nuts. Messi leaves Barcelona to go to Paris. Ronaldo says he wants out of Juventus to then be linked to Manchester City for then Manchester United to hijack this transfer. And eventually Ronaldo comes to his senses and says, I want to go to Man U. So Ronaldo from Juve to Man United. Kylian Mbappe reports that he wants to play for Real Madrid. This whole window has been insane. A lot of clubs have been active, including a lot of clubs in the Prem, Man U, Man City, even Arsenal. (laughs) We'll get to them when we recap the week three results. But when Manchester City said, oh, we'll take, we'll take Ronaldo. Sir Alex Ferguson, the Glazers, whoever it was, said, uh-uh, you're not doing that. It, you got to remember, right? Let me, let me break it down for you guys real quick. When Manchester United, when we make a transfer, it's a saga. You guys know what a saga is, right? It takes a while. It's a long time. Jadon Sancho was linked for, with, was linked with Man United for over a year. The Rafael Varane deal took about two to three months. This transfer took 24 hours. 24 hours. That's insane. Manchester United do not make transfers that quick. The problem was going into the transfer window that we needed to get rid of a lot of players. As the English call, dead wood, right? The players that just sit, take up a spot on the bench and really don't make an impact either in league play or any competition. That was one of the goals for Man U was to sell. But when you buy, when you buy back, the man who was responsible for that, quote, second wave of success from Manchester United, the pre or the post Y2K global phenomenon that is and still is Manchester United, there's no denying that opportunity. You guys have to remember, I became a Manchester United fan in 2008, 2009. FIFA 09 was my first video game, but my first soccer video game, fun fact, was the FIFA World Cup game for 06 for PlayStation 2. But I was a soccer player. I did play in in town. But everyone asked me, oh, Jeremy, who's your team? Like, who do you root for? 
and I said, the Red Bulls, or earlier than that, the Metro Stars. And they go, yeah, 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 right, but who's your real team? And I said, real team? They're like, yeah, do you like a team in England? Do you like a team in Spain? Do you like a team in Germany? Like, who do you like? Who do you like? And I would tell them, I would tell my teammates, like, I don't know. I don't know who I support. And they're like, you don't like Barcelona? You don't like Bayern Munich? You don't like Real Madrid? And I said, guys, I really don't know much about those teams. So thankfully, getting FIFA Soccer 09 helped me understand and know who these clubs were. Who played for these clubs? Who managed these clubs? And I remember... And that same year, going out to lunch with my dad, we used to go to this hot dog place. Oh, man, I can't remember it. It was in Lynnhurst, if anyone's familiar. Right by the, uh, right across the street from the police department there. What is that? Valley Brook? And we used to go to this hot dog place. I'm trying to think of the name. It's gonna it's gonna destroy me. If I remember it, I will I can't remember. But anyway, we would go to this hot dog place, my dad and I for lunch, and we went for this we went one day, one afternoon, and on TV was Champions League. I remember it was midweek, and the Champions League was on. And it was Manchester United taking on FC Porto. I remember watching this one player who was and still is the best player whenever he steps on the pitch. This guy was spectacular. He played with flair. His dribbling ability was insane. He was confident. That was one thing, too. He was confident. And he scored this goal from at least 40 yards out. Caught the goalie off his line, put it in the top left corner, and as soon as that guy did that, I said, I like this team now. That was Cristiano Ronaldo, and that was Manchester United. That very moment was when I fell in love with the club that I support today. You got to remember, too, at the time, soccer was pretty rare to be shown on, like, network television in America. Like, NBC didn't have the rights for the Premier League yet. So you'd have to find some channels that were, you know, doing special coverage Soccer in England, like, you know, it wasn't really a big thing until, you know, the 2010s when NBC got the rights for the Premier League. But whenever they would show soccer, Man U was always on. Another early memory was post-Ronaldo was when Manchester United lost in the Champions League final against Barcelona. That game was definitely shown on TV. I remember watching it on my couch. But Cristiano Ronaldo 
is the reason why I'm a Man U fan. And I and I think, and I'm fair to say that, I think he's the reason why a lot of people are Man United fans, especially younger people, right? Older people who've grown up in Manchester, you know, it's a family thing. It's like me with the Rangers, me with Notre Dame. You grow up in your family. But for me, soccer wasn't big in my family. Sure, a few of us played it, but the club support wasn't a thing in my family until I said I wanted to be a Man U fan. And so from 2009 to now, I've grown to love Manchester United. They're my club. They're my team. I watch them every weekend. But when I saw the club announce that Cristiano was coming back home, I was I was over the moon. What this guy does, still, he is 36 years old, but this move puts us in the title contention. I think so. With a few shapes to our defense, if a defensive mid comes in the next few hours, or Scott McTominay comes back healthy, or Fred decides he wants to pull his head out of his ass, the attack is there. The creativity is there. I really enjoy watching this Manchester United team. Sure, there's some new faces in there. Team chemistry is a real thing, guys. It's a very, it's very real. Varane and Sancho have to start gluing with this team, but it takes time. I've, I, I'm open to that. I thought Varane played. I thought he played very well. Sancho, on the other hand, I think he was lost out there on his weak side. Dan James was playing on the right, but that's not going to be a problem anymore after what happened today. But seeing the number seven come back, and it's almost confirmed that he will be wearing the number seven because there's some rules with changing numbers midseason. That old culture of Manchester United that brought us domestic and international success is coming back. And it comes back with one man. And that is Cristiano Ronaldo. It has been confirmed that his first game, because they are now on international break this week for World Cup qualifiers, it has been confirmed that he will be playing his first game on September 11th against Newcastle. And I believe that game will be played at Old Trafford. If it's not sold out now, it will be in the next day or two, honestly. <laughs> That's the biggest ticket in soccer right now. Messi's already made his PSG debut, came off the bench. But when Ronaldo steps onto that field again, I'm not going to want to, you know, I can't miss it. I can't miss it. I have to watch that game. I don't think I'll cry. <laughs> I don't think I'll cry, but I'll get chills. 
because I remember watching this guy as a youngster before I was a teenager, before I, you know, before I started playing soccer in like high school. He was the guy. Every young soccer player wanted to be Ronaldo. They wanted to play like Ronaldo. They wanted to celebrate like Ronaldo. They wanted to shoot like Ronaldo. They wanted to dribble like Ronaldo. He's someone that I would tell my him and Messi years too that I would tell my kids like, man, I got to watch Ronaldo and Messi in their prime. I remember when Messi went to Paris. That was a big deal. And I remember when Ronaldo came back to Manchester United. That was a really big deal, especially for me and you, because you guys are Man U fans as well. They're not supporting any other club. My, my kids are will be Man U fans. But it's great for the sport. It's great for the Prem. This solidifies that the Prem, the Premier League, is the greatest league in soccer. And if you have a debate with me, I would love to hear your other reasoning. La Liga doesn't come close. League on doesn't come close. The two closest would be Serie A and Bundesliga. But Serie A has no defending whatsoever. And Bundesliga, I would put at number two. But it's pretty far away from number one. The Prem, in terms of its competition, its playing style, its grittiness, is the best league in world football. And it just got better because of the return of Manchester's prodigal son, number seven, Cristiano Ronaldo. I can't wait. I cannot wait. When he scores his first goal back, bonkers. That's the only word I can say. Bonkers will be Old Trafford. All right, well, let's recap week three. I can't, again, I cannot wait for this Newcastle game next week. Let's recap week three. We had some big games on Saturday, August 28th, and then three on Sunday the 29th. We'll start with the slaughter. Manchester City 5, Arsenal nil. I can't rant about Arsenal enough. I just think they're so poor. They're the lack of motivation is sad to see. Because going back to when I was picking my clubs as a young kid, Arsenal was up there, right? Arsenal had some studs back in the day. Today, with Arteta as their boss and Aubameyang and Lacazette and Granite Xhaka and Neil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, I don't know what's going on, but there needs to be a change of scenery at the Emirates. The two players I feel bad for, because I genuinely, like, again, I do not like Arsenal. As a Man U fan, I do not like Arsenal. But as a soccer fan, two of my favorite players to watch are Bukayo Saka and Kieran Tierney. The left wing and the left back for Arsenal. Both young studs, one from England, one from Scotland. I feel bad for them, because they are about to enter the prime of their careers. And they are about to get no exposure from international competitions, from continental competitions like UEFA Champions League, even Europa. 
Arsenal sit in 20th place of 20 teams. 0, 0, and 3. 0, 0, and 3. Wins, draws, losses. Or is it wins, losses, draws? Anyway, no wins, three losses from three games with a goal differential of minus 9. They don't have a league goal yet. Yet. Man, you have seven goals. Arsenal have nil. Beaten bad by Man City. Beaten bad by Chelsea. Beaten bad by Brentford. I don't know if they're waiting for the holidays. If they're waiting for the window to end. We'll get to transfers at the end of these results, but... I don't know what's going on with Man U. It's sad. It really is. But that's on them. Man Man City again dominant. Even though they're six points from nine. They look like the the country's best team. They're the best team in England. Their, their roster is stacked. I love the look of Man City. As a United fan, it kills me. But City just have a complete team from head to toe. And yeah, there's a lot of money spent there. But with money comes trophies, hopefully. I think the goal for Man City this year is to win the Champions League. It's something that Pep hasn't done with Man City yet. They've come close. Look at last year, losing at Chelsea. They're capable of doing it. I think so. As long as they stay healthy. Even if they don't stay healthy, their bench is stacked. Expect Man City to lift one, maybe two trophies this year. One of them possibly being the league trophy. Next game. Aston Villa won, Brentford won. Uh, I did. I believe I picked a win for Villa here, but Brentford getting a point off of Aston Villa is huge. Again, Aston Villa are my sleeper, and right now they're kind of, you know, meh. Four points from two, or four points from nine, rather. Excuse me. Brentford, they're flirting. How about Brentford not having lost a game yet? Tying Villa, tying Palace, beating Arsenal. That's an impressive record right now. Five points from nine from a team that finished third in the championship last year. Brentford are on a great run. Keep an eye on them in the weeks to come. Brighton nil, Everton two. I'm mad at myself. Why? Zach, if you're listening, I told you I was going to bet on Everton. Because they had great odds on the Barcelona Sportsbook. Shout out to Barcelona Sportsbook. Now available in the state of New Jersey. This is not an ad. But check out the Barcelona Sportsbook. My favorite sportsbook by far. I told you, Zach. I want to bet on Everton. I should have. Why? 2-0. They were plus 240. 245. Away. And it wasn't like they were going to Stanford Bridge. It wasn't like they were going to the Etihad or Anfield or Old Trafford. They were going to the, what is that, the 
Amex or whatever it's called. IMAX, I don't know what Brighton Stadium is called off the top of my head. But they were going to Brighton. Everton are clearly better than Brighton. And they showed it. Damari Gray. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. On form, by the way. Big ups to Everton. I think that was a must win for Everton. Great performance by them for Rafa and the boys. A team that is, I think is going to go in the right direction um, for this season. I, I, I think they have a lot to prove. And that win on the road, when they were an underdog, proved, it, proved just that. Big result from Everton, 2-0 over Brighton. Next, St. James Park, we go Newcastle 2, Southampton 2. Two even teams. I say this is a a win for Southampton. Getting a big draw last week against Man U. Getting another draw against Newcastle. James Ward-Prowse, great leader at that club. They're going to have to try to find wins. Newcastle trying to get points whenever they can. Not bad form for Newcastle to start the year. I like Newcastle. I like the Joe Willick signing. I think that can improve them greatly throughout the course of this season. Norwich 1, Leicester 2. Norwich, it's going to be tough. It really is. They're loaning out a lot of young players. I think that's their, you know... Their motive this transfer window is to just just get young, talented players looking for a loan to help them survive relegation. It may work out. It may not. You know, it may be a clash of personalities there, but they have an interesting way of doing things at Norwich, so we'll see if it works out. Jamie Vardy getting on the goal sheet there. Even if the man gets older, he's still scoring goals. Jamie Vardy, very clinical finisher. West Ham 2, Crystal Palace 2. I think this is a great result for Patrick Vieira and Palace. On the road, at the Olympic Stadium, and you get a point from West Ham, who are tearing it up right now in the Prem. Will they get Jesse Lingard? Probably not. But I think this result proves that they do. I think they need more forces up in the attack. I think their defense is pretty solid, but giving up two goals, conceding two to Palace, not a great look, but big result from Patrick Vieira. I think Patrick Vieira needs to get a few signings under his uh, under his belt and hopefully keep Palace up in the prem because a lot of people, a lot of insiders, have Crystal Palace in the relegation zone. And it is tough because one of their best players, Eberichi Yeze, they're center attacking midfielder coming off an injury he'll be back soon but you know it's games like like this where you look back on and saying like oh like we could have got another goal imagine if we got another goal you know away at West Ham so we'll see if they can get some signings before the deadline ends but this is a huge result huge huge result for Crystal Palace there. And finally, Anfield, where I actually won money this week. Liverpool won, Chelsea won. Going into this game, I was so confident that this game was going to end in a draw. Why? Because I couldn't pick a winner. I could not pick a winner. I think this was my, this was my exact prediction. I think I predicted 1-1. I think I was right. Chelsea score first. 
beautiful header from Kai Havertz off of the corner. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love Kai Havertz a lot. Kid's got great potential. We saw it at Leverkusen. We're seeing it now. We saw it in the Champions League final last year. I love Kai Havertz. Great player. Then, a controversial play on the other end. Same half, first half. A ball is cleared off the line by Reese James. What I thought was a great defensive play, turns out that it was a handball on the line and it was a pen. Sure, it was a pen. But then Reese James was given a red card. I don't know what the ruling is. But I think because it was a clear goal, like that was going in the net, because it hit his hand, I think it's an automatic red card. It stops a goal from happening. So Reese James was given a red card. Penalty was scored. I believe it was Mo Salah. And then the game ended one all. Second half was back and forth, back and forth. Liverpool controlling most of it because of the man advantage. I don't know. It was a very controversial call. If you guys want to look back on it, just search Reese James red card. Give me your take. Let me know what you think. I know I know Vince would say it was uh, not a red, but I think it's it's the ruling. It has to be the ruling because it's not a it's not a, a deliberate handball. It does touch his hand as his hand is extended, like off of his foot. I think he was trying to clear it off with his foot and then it deflected off of his hand. I think because of that ruling and because where he is in the net, stopping a goal, you know, it's like Luis Suarez, although that was intentional. Go back to the 2010 World Cup and see the Luis Suarez handball. This is a complete opposite. That was clear. He was volleyball spiking the ball out of the net, which ended up having a penalty for Ghana, and they actually missed it, and then Uruguay went to go on in the next round of the World Cup, so it was a big moment for them. But this one was not intentional. However, you know, the ruling is on the line, blocking a goal. I think it's a red card. But had the result right, 1-1. Great game. Two both two teams, both are exceptional. Going to make some great runs there later on in the year. And then finally, we had three games on Sunday. Burnley won, Leeds won. I think this is a huge result for Burnley. They actually went up 1-0, but they couldn't hold on. They couldn't get the win. I think my pick of Burnley getting relegated is looking better and better each week. Again, I, I can't give enough praise for Sean Dice, but Burnley just don't do it for me, man. Leeds kind of had a lucky goal. It was a deflection. I think Patrick Bamford got the got the goal there. It was a deflection. It was a, it was a shot for one of his teammates. He actually just stuck his foot out, deflected, and went in the side netting. It looked like a hockey goal when someone shoots the puck from the blue line and deflects it right in the net. That's what it looked like. It was the soccer version of that. But all in all, the play was on side. Patrick Bamford got credited with the goal, and the game ended 1-1. I do think this is a great result for Burnley, however, because, yeah, they did give up the lead, but Leeds are a tough team. I think they're miles better than Burnley. So getting a result against Leeds is huge uh, for the maroon and blue. I don't know if they're Claret and blue. I know Claret and blue is West Ham. I don't know what uh, what colors. I guess they are Claret and blue, maroon and blue. I need to brush up on my colors. But Burnley won, Leeds won. Great overall game. That was a fun game. That was on NBC. Next, we have Spurs won, Watford nil. 
I thought Spurs could have done a lot better this game. I know the scoreline, excuse me about that. I know the scoreline doesn't do it any justice, but overall, it's still a win. Still a win for Spurs, who are continuing great form. I believe they're first place in the league because of goal differential. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. I could be right. I know. I think Spurs are first in the league right now. It's funny how it's Spurs are in first and Arsenal are in 20th. So Spurs fans are loving life right now. They will get some tougher tests, although they did beat Man City. We'll see what happens with Harry Kane, Hyung-Ming Sun continuing on form. I don't know. Spurs, Spurs are flirting with top four this year, making that race a little more interesting. And finally, at the Molyneux, Wolves nil, Manchester United won. I will admit, and I'll be honest, the first half of this game for Man U was poor. It was very poor. A lot of turnovers. They were not keeping possession. The man of the match, David De Gea, kept us in that game. Beautiful, beautiful double save there in the second half. And then the controversial, what was not a foul but should have been a foul. I'm saying it while I'm air quoting because it really wasn't a foul. And Mike Dean saw that it wasn't a foul. Paul Pogba, Ruben Neves, a little bit of a clash there. I don't think they, they didn't make contact at all. Mason Greenwood on what was a very tight angle. Puts a ball past Jose Sa into the top left corner. 1-0 final. They got the job done. And what was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's 100th game managing in the Prem. We got the result. Seven points from nine. Very happy. The longest unbeaten Premier League road streak is ours. 28 games without a defeat on the road. Haven't lost since February of 2020. Very impressive there for Manchester United. Yeah, wasn't the best performance. I always said that we're a second-half team, but that proved it right there. That proved it right there. The first half, it was garbage. Garbage. Fred was turning over the ball. Miscommunication. Jaden Sancho almost gave up a goal for Joao Moutinho. There was a lot of miscommunication going out there. And that's what I was saying before about the Ronaldo transfer and how team chemistry is a huge factor, right? Two very impactful players are new to the starting 11. Eventually, they're going to glue together, right? I think Varane is going to have it much easier to glue because, A, he's been around longer than Rafael, uh, than Jaden Sancho, and B, I think it's easier for a center back to glue rather than a winger, someone who's more free up top. Because let's look at it. Like that back four, if one if if one is in sync or out of sync rather, goals are gonna get scored. There's gonna be holes in that defense that the offense is gonna pick out. So Varan played great. I thought he had a great game. I thought he was excellent. Jaden Sancho, on the other hand, yes, he did play on his weaker side, but, you know, I, he looked invisible out there. I just think he wasn't given the ball enough. Hopefully that'll change. I think it will now that his free spot, the right side, is now open. So I'm very happy that he can now play more minutes on the side that we bought him for, which is that right wing side. He needs to play on the right. He needs to play on the right. All right, well... We can't give any predictions this week. As I mentioned before, there is no Prem, there's no Bundesliga because of the international break. However, I will tell you, on Sunday, September 5th, 8 p.m., the United States 
plays Canada in what will be their second World Cup qualifier this week. Tune in for USA-Canada this week for soccer. And then next week, we'll have more predictions for week four of the Premier League. All right. Well, now that soccer's done, let's go to America's pastime. And let's go to the world of baseball. probably wondering and asking yourself why is Jeremy playing intoxicated by Martin Solvig well I have to admit it's my favorite walk-up song right now and whose walk-up song is it one Anthony Rizzo of the New York Yankees because that walk-up song is like the Yankees right now electric yes Electric. The Yankees are making this surge, trying to trying to take the division. It's going to be very difficult for them because of the fact that Tampa Bay is playing some really great baseball right now. But we have to keep a close eye on the American League East division race for weeks to come. I said that weeks on weeks on weeks. But I was reading this article from MLB.com. It's pretty interesting. Because the title of this article is seven races that we need to keep, seven races to watch down the stretch or keep an eye out. So I was looking at this list and all of them are pretty interesting. And they start off with the AL Cy Young Award. Right now it's Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole seems to be the leader right now. They give his stats here. He leads qualified AL pitchers in in whip, 0.99, 200 strikeouts, and has a 5.3 war. War stands for wins against replacement. However, a name that we need to keep an eye out for, and one of my favorite baseball personalities, Lance Lynn. <laughs> I love Lance Lynn. He's not really a flamethrower. And by, you know, by flamethrower, I mean like 199 on the gun. He'll top out at about 95, 96, but he's got some control on his stuff. His pitches are great, and he has a great personality. If I can make one suggestion for you all listening today, it is to go on YouTube and search Lance Lynn John Boy. For those of you who don't know, John Boy Media, or John Boy himself, is famous for doing lip dubs. Of baseball players, specifically uh, manager ejections, fights with players and umpires, and he'll dub over with his voice what they're actually saying. Like he'll read lips and dub. It's some of the funniest stuff on the internet right now. But one of my favorites is Lance Lynn against the Orioles this past season, this year. So just search up Lance Lynn John Boy and you are going to cry at one of the parts 
you could probably figure out what part makes me laugh the most. It'll make you laugh the most as well. So do yourselves a favor. John Boy, Lance Lynn. So Lance Lynn, I like Lance Lynn a lot. 2.59 ERA. Opponent batting average just, just at 200. It's actually 203 right now. And his war is 4.5. I love Chicago. I think their race right now is pretty much done, but they can't get the... They can't take the foot off the pedal, you know what I mean? They got to continue to break away from the Central, and it's very easy to do so. I like them a lot in the playoffs, specifically because of that bullpen and that back end with Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. I think it's dominant, you know, having one as your setup, the other as your closer, vice versa. I really like Chicago's situation right there. So keep an eye out for Cole. Lance Lynn and Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's. Let's see. His whip is over one. It's one point oh three. And his opponent's batting average is two ten. Just a little bit over than Lance Lynn. But keep an eye out for Robbie Ray. And a Blue Jays team that you know is really struggling to make a wild card push. I don't know if they're gonna. Be able to overtake the Red Sox for that third place in the AL East, but it will be tough. But the Blue Jays, again, I compare the Blue Jays to the New York Rangers. They got a young squad. They might not make the playoffs this year, but trust me, they will be there for years to come. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. We got the home run race right now, but I think it's going to be won by one man and one man only. And right now, the hype is real. I don't like when people get hyped up. Specifically, athletes, you know, if it's a baseball player, if it's a soccer player, or if it's a fighter. The the UFC has a great history of hyping up fighters that turn out to be, you know, complete duds. But this guy, the hype is real. The hype is very real. And I'm talking about Shohei Otani. Right now, he's got 42 ding-dongs. 42 home runs. Again, I don't like the whole Babe Ruth comparison Because Babe Ruth hit, what, 714 home runs in his career? I don't even know if Otani's hit 100 yet. But Otani seems like a player that's going to be playing for years to come. He needs to be careful, though, because, you know, he is a pitcher as well. So, arm injuries and whatnot. Obviously, I wish him good health. But that's just something that we need to keep an eye out for for the rest of his career. But this guy is unreal, man. He is outstanding. I think he's... Probably going to take this home run race by storm. I like him a lot. I think he's a great player. He's 20th. Winning the home run title while still ranking among the top 20 in baseball reference pitcher war. So not only does he have 42 home runs, his pitching stats are unreal as well. Just named AO Player of the Week. And then you look at the below the list. Vlad Guerrero is on 38. And then there's a tie. Tied Salvi on Monday night and Tatis in a little further off the pace. So Tatis is there as well with 36 home runs. I like I like Otani in this one. I like Otani in this one here. Tatis, NL stolen base race. 
that one, let's be real, no one really keeps a close eye on stolen base record unless they're breaking Ricky Henderson's record. Here's the one, the AL East, right? The AL East is a race that we need to keep an eye out for. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays sit here. So let's go check out the standings here real quick and break down the AL East. It should be the first division to pop up, and it is. So right now, the Yankees are seven games back of the Rays, 83-48. and 48. That is a great record for them. Yankees are 76-55. and 55. Below them are the Red Sox at 75-58. and 58. So that, that is your wild card game right now. Is Yankees Red Sox at Yankee Stadium? Must see baseball. Honestly, it can go either way depending on how pitching goes. But right now, at this moment, I like the Yankees in that game. Blue Jays above 500, 69 and 61. That could be first place in the NL East. No, actually, they missed out by a game there. As we as we mentioned earlier. The Chicago White Sox commanding lead in the AL Central, 76 and 56. Behind them is the Indians, who are 500 at 64 and 64. So that race looks to be done unless there's a big spiral in Chicago, but I don't think there will be. AL West, this one's looks like it's going to be in control for the Houston Astros here, 78 and 53. Second place right here, Oakland. 72-59, two games out of the last wildcard spot behind the Boston Red Sox. Six games off of the division lead. The Mariners, 17-62, that's a great record for them. Eight and a half behind the division leading Houston Astros. And the NL East, it's the Braves right now, 70-60. Behind them, the Phillies at 67-64, and three off of the lead. The Mets... 63 and 67, seven off of the lead, six and a half out of the last wild card spot. It doesn't look good for the Mets right now. The NL Central looks like it's going to be Milwaukee, 80 and 52, a great record for them. And behind them, the Cincinnati Reds, who own a wild card spot, but are nine and a half games off of the division leading Milwaukee Brewers. And finally, the best team in baseball, the San Fran Giants, 84-47. and 47, But they're taking a little bit of a turn here. They're dropping a few games because look who's behind them. A game and a half out of the lead, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 83-49. and 49. Only one and a half games out of the wild card spot. And they hold a commanding 12 and a half game lead for the first spot in the NL wild card. These races are going to be ones that we cannot take our eyes off, especially the AL East. Especially the AL East. That's going to be one of the closer ones and the NL West. I say it week in, week out. I got to keep an eye out for these races, as do you. There's not a ex more exciting time than the playoff season or the push of the playoffs for the MLB. Today is September 1st. This is now the dog days. We are now, we've been in the dog days, but this is the dog days right now. These are where we separate the men from the boys in the MLB. Who will come out on top? We shall find out. All right, well, let's get into our third segment here. 
I'm very excited for this because we have some great, great, great matchups to break down. I'm excited. You should be excited. Why? Because it's back, ladies and gentlemen. It's back. And what's it's? What is it that you're asking? It's simple. Why? Because it's college football. We're going inside him. We're going outside him. Inside him and outside him. And when we get him on the run once, we're going to keep him on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. But don't forget, man, we're going to get him on the run. We're going to go, 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 go. And we aren't going to stop until we go to that goal line. Don't forget, man, today is the day we're going to win. They can't lick it and the black out of the goal. The first whistle of the man win there. Fight, 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 fight. What do you say, man? We started off Monday knowing we're going to win this game. Congratulations, Ed. Go Tigers. Had to give a shout-out to two of the all-time great coaches, two of my favorites, honestly. They could be on my Mount Rushmore. Newt Rockney, the first clip. And, of course, the legendary Coach O, Ed Ogeron. That second one. Go Tigers. I can't do that impression. That's one impression that I've tried to master, and I fail miserably every single time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, College football is back. College football, to me, I love college football more than I love the NFL. Um, I think that had to do with my upbringing. Nothing beats Saturdays in the fall, watching college football, watching Notre Dame on NBC with the family. You know, it, it is different. It is different now, obviously, because, you know, our main man is with God right now, watching the Irish still, but, you know, nothing beats Pop-Ops and Bocce's at, at the Dome, Pop's Golden Dome. We still honor it in his name. But every year, it brings the family together, and I just love Notre Dame football. But I love college football in general. Because of the camaraderie, the traditions the fight songs, the bands, the overall great games. And week one, to me, does not disappoint. We're going to break down a few of the matchups that we need to keep an eye out for. CBS Sports has an article for the matchups that we need to keep an eye out for for this weekend, starting with tomorrow, Thursday. Huge, huge matchups in the FBS. We start with Boise State at UCF. A bit of a random one. If I'm being honest here. Boise State in the Mountain West. UCF in the American Athletic Conference. It looks like UCF is a favorite here at home. Boise State to me hasn't really been that impressive since their Fiesta Bowl win. What was that? 2007? 2008? Maybe a little bit after in the early 2010s with Kellen Moore, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, Boise State, to me, like, I like them as a program. I think they're an historic program in terms of outside of the Power Five. But for this one, I, I guess, I guess, Uf, uh, UCF, rather, excuse me. I was going to say UFC. <laughs> I think UCF here continue to make their run. However, they are not a team. They are not the favorites to win the AAC for the first time, I think, since its creation. 
you got to remember here, the Bearcats of Cincinnati are in the top 10, guys. Top 10. I believe they're 8. They're better than Notre Dame, according to the AP. But in this first matchup, week 1, I'm going to go with the Knights. I'm going with UCF. This one I'm very excited for. Ohio State at Minnesota. I know that on paper, you're saying, Jeremy, why should we keep an eye out for Ohio State-Minnesota? We all know that Ohio State's going to blow them out. Do you, though? Did you guys know that Ohio State was going to blow Purdue out a few years ago on the road? I didn't. But did I watch it? Of course I did. This is a great chance for Minnesota to upset the Ohio State Buckeyes. I don't think they're going to get it done. I think Ohio State's going to win. Don't get me wrong. But I love what Minnesota has. I love the whole row the boat thing with that coach up there. I love that. But Ohio State has a freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who is a great prospect and should dominate at his time at Ohio State, but a freshman quarterback on the road, you can get rattled early, but I think Ohio State are just too dominant of a program, and I think Ohio State is going to come out of Minnesota with a huge, huge victory to go into week two. Friday, we have a really great, or a pretty big ACC matchup here. We got UNC at Virginia Tech. I gotta find out the name of this quarterback. I was hyping him up big time. UNC quarterback. What is his name? Give me his name. Sam Howell. Yes. Sam Howell is a dark horse actually for the Heisman Trophy. I think he is projected to be one of the top quarterbacks this year. Along with Spencer Rattler from the University of Oklahoma. Virginia Tech is a scary place to play. Ask Notre Dame. We've done it before. You hear Enter Sandman before that game. The whole crowd is rocking because now everyone's back to full capacity. When you hear Enter Sandman in Blacksburg, oh man. It's pretty eye-opening. Keep an eye out for that on Friday. I'm going to go at UNC. I think UNC take this one, but this is an exciting matchup here. Should not disappoint. As well as Michigan State Northwestern. I'm going Northwestern here because of one man and one man only, Pat Fitzgerald. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. I love that he's turned Northwestern around. I love their colors too. I'm a, I actually really like purple a lot. Michigan State, they haven't been the same. Man, they've had some great teams in the past, though. Pretty scary teams, too. I will never forget Little Giants. It still haunts me to this day, that play in overtime against Notre Dame. The fake the fake kick. Oh, my God. I can still see it right now. I can. But with this one, I'm going Northwestern at home. And now we get to Friday. Or now we get to Saturday, rather. Excuse me. They're highlighting Tulane at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, a 26.5-point favorite to open the line here. That's going to be a huge victory. Look for Spencer Rattler to put up some 
huge, huge numbers for the Sooners there. I got Oklahoma in a blowout. Penn State at Wisconsin. Now, this is a huge matchup. Randall, Camp Randall Stadium, Penn State, Wisconsin. I didn't think that the Big Ten opened up week one with rivalry games. Like, I, I usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, but usually it takes about a few weeks for teams to play in conference. Maybe I'm thinking of college basketball, because college basketball, you don't start playing your division rivals or your conference rivals, rather, when you enter the new year, right? Like, you start in November, you play, you know, out-of-conference teams, and then around December time, right before the holiday, or during the holiday, or during the new year, New Year's Eve, around that time, you enter an invitational tournament, whether if it's the Maui, or the Hall of Fame Classic, or wherever. Then, when you come back from winter break, then you play the conference teams, right? Big Ten is not disappointing us week one. Penn State, Wisconsin... I'm going to go with the Badgers here. I'm going to go with the Badgers here. I like them on the road. I like their numbers here. But Penn State can definitely put up a fight. Because this this is 12 versus 19. This is, you know, this isn't, you know, a throwaway game here. These are two top 20 teams. Top 20. Nevertheless, top 25. But I'm going to go with Wisconsin here at home. I expect a big performance from the Badgers here. Here's another interesting one. Alabama, Miami. Miami is not the same in terms of what they used to be in the early 2000s. Obviously, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, you know, you know the drill, Greg Olson. I don't really need to give a whole analysis for this pick. I'm going to Alabama huge. I believe this is at a neutral site too, or it's at Hard Rock. I can't, I can't tell, but. Alabama minus 1100 money line. Huge favorites. I'm going with the Crimson Tide here. Another Big Ten matchup Indiana at Iowa. I like Iowa at home. Although Indiana is a team. Actually, I might pick Indiana because Indiana gave a lot of teams some trouble last year. They did. Gave Penn State some trouble. Made it interesting with Ohio State. I like Indiana here on the road, but it's going to be a very, very close game. That's why, yeah, this spread, they're only getting three and a half here. So, ah, I think I'm going to go Indiana. I think I'm going to go Indiana on the road. Louisiana at Texas. Are the Longhorns back? I don't know. Not so sure. But I think they're going to take a, take a convincing victory here over the Raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana now. Here is the big one for Saturday, Georgia-Clemson. This is where college game day is going to be. Kickoff classic, Charlotte, North Carolina, neutral site, Georgia-Clemson. As much as it pains me, uh, I'm going to go Clemson. DJ, that quarterback, I can never pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, I just can't because I'll butcher it big time. Uh, never doubt Dabo Sweeney. Great coach. Knows what he's doing there. As much as it pains me, I'm going to go Clemson here. I think I think Clemson could win convincing, but Georgia, very scary team this year in the SEC. Look out for them. LSU at UCLA. I got to go Coach O. I got to go Coach O. If I don't, I'm committing a mortal sin. 
Played him in the intro for this segment. I got to back my man, Coach O. Go Tigers. I think they take this one by a touchdown. And now we get to Sunday. Oh, man, oh, man. Huge game. Notre Dame at Florida State. I'm going with the Irish. I know that Florida State will have some motivation for this one. Obviously losing their legendary coach, Bobby Bowden. About a month ago. But I like the Irish here. I like Jack Cohn at the quarterback transfer from Wisconsin. Kyron Williams, one of the best running backs in the in the nation. And then on defense, keep an eye out for Kyle Hamilton at safety. The guy is just a pure athlete. Can come in, pinch, look to sack the quarterback a few times. I love Notre Dame's team. They are number nine. I think. I think. I think number nine is a fair spot for them. I would. I told myself I wouldn't be surprised if they started out of the top ten. But number nine is a fair spot. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, we're top five every year. Oh, you should be number five, number three. No, I think nine is completely fair. People might think we're too high. I thought. You know, I was thinking around 10, 11. Nine's fine. Nine's a great spot for us. I think we're gonna win. It might be closer than we think, but. I think Notre Dame wins this one, I think, hopefully by two possessions, because if not, I'm going to be crapping me jocks on Sunday. (laughs) And then we have one matchup on Monday, Louisville at Ole Miss. I'm going to go with the Rebels. I got to go with the Rebels here. I love them. I think they're going to make a great run in the SEC. Look out for Ole Miss there this week. All right, so I think we're going to do this now regularly, too. We're going to have, again, guys, when... When all the sports come back, you know, back in uh, in October when the NBA comes back, NHL, MLB playoffs, college football, NFL, you name it, Prem, these shows are going to be much, much longer. Like, past episodes, I've kept them around 125. These shows in the future could near two hours. Could could end around the two-hour mark. This one's going to be a little shorter today just because there isn't a lot to talk about. We did cover a lot last week, especially with the tributes of the five hockey players that had passed in one week as well. But when the sports start to open up, when leagues get underway, expect these episodes to go a little bit longer than they already are because then we'll have much more content to cover but I appreciate your guys' patience, and I appreciate the feedback on all the episodes and telling me, oh, that's a great topic. I'd love to hear about that. But thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So, again, these college football, this college football segment is going to be a regular thing because there's going to be a lot of matchups to highlight. I think we're going to do something similar to this where we pull up the biggest matches for the week. If you guys want me to give, you know, numbers for betting, like how many points are Notre Dame getting, you know, what's the what's the spread? over under I'll definitely do that I'll definitely cover all that if you guys are interested in in sports betting and uh looking at the odds for certain games I'll definitely do that for the NFL as well so let me know and I'll definitely do that I'll include that in my pregame analysis for that week's featured bouts or matches rather all right, well, speaking of bouts, we're going to end this show with my recap of what was uh, this week's past spectacle on Showtime. Um, 
I love boxing. Shout out to my grandpa, Albert Striano, New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame. I'm a fan of combat sports. If there's ever a big boxing pay-per-view, UFC, you know, I'll watch it. I'll totally watch it. So, this week, like many others, I sat down on my couch and watched the Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley pay-per-view event. The undercard for this event, I did miss the Tommy Fury fight. I did miss that one. But Tommy Fury did win via unanimous decision. But the next fight after that, I thought was insane. Actually, the the next fight after that was Montana Love, which was also a great fight. Montana Love was an underdog. He's from Cleveland. Had a 7th round knockout via Ivan Baranchik. 7th round TKO. Man, that was insane. If you go back and watch this highlight, Montana Love, great, great highlight, real knockout. Daniel Dubois was the next fight versus Jose or Giuseppe Cusimano, who had never been stopped in his career until Saturday or until Sunday, rather. Daniel Dubois, in two minutes and ten seconds, knocks out Jose Cusimano. This kid's 23 years old. Very soft-spoken, but can throw haymakers left and right. This guy looked great. I'm going to expect to see his name in the near future. I love him for the heavyweight contenders there. Daniel Dubois, great performance from him. And then in the co-main event, we had Amanda Serrano defeat Yam- Yamalef Mercado via unanimous decision. This was one-sided of a fight. Still the champ in that division. And then, and then, we get to the main card. The main event of the evening. The problem child, Jake Paul, taking on five-time UFC welterweight champion, the chosen one, Tyron Woodley. Going into this fight, I was on the Barstool Sportsbook. Again, shout out the Barstool Sportsbook. And I had made one bet early that morning, which was the fight was going to go the distance. The odds are plus 425. Put down a few bucks. I ended up winning that bet, and I was sure that this fight, no one was getting knocked out. No one gets knocked out in those spectacle fights. And if someone does, it'll be, you know, it'll be an eye-opener. Did not expect a knockout from Jake nor Tyron. However, I backed Tyron to win via decision, which was plus 1,300 to 1. And I was made an idiot. Because I put money on a fight that was supposedly, as people may argue, I'm not, I'm not saying anything here. This fight could have been staged. It's a big rumor. I don't think it was. I, I don't want to say it was because then it just hurts the integrity of boxing. But, again, boxing is such a suspicious sport in terms of its judging. After watching all eight rounds, I thought Jake Paul won. And it was surprising, but I thought Jake Paul, Jake Paul won every single round other than round four. Round four was the big shot that put Jake Paul in the rings by Tyron. 
had a nice little hook that startled him big time. Through the ropes, almost fell through him. But I can't believe I, I'm saying this, but Jake Paul won that fight. I don't want to say it was staged. I don't want to say that, you know, he didn't take a dive. Obviously, that would have been, you know, that was the whole Ben Askren scenario. The speculation was that they basically paid him to take a fall. But Tyron did it. Tyron stayed in there. Tyron fought, but Tyron did lose to a YouTuber who's now 4-0, but has fought a YouTuber, a basketball player, and a wrestler. Not even a UFC fighter. A wrestler. A guy that's not known for throwing punches. So this was his toughest opponent. He still beat him. But now it's like, okay, when are you going to fight a boxer? Like, I get all the speculation, but fight a boxer. Right? Fight KSI for all I care. KSI is turning into a boxer. Like, he beat your brother. But then your brother goes on to fight Floyd Mayweather. And as crazy as it is, says, I ended Floyd Mayweather. Bleh. I ended Floyd Mayweather's career. That's just bull. It really is. Ugh, the Paul brothers just pissed me off, man. They're what's wrong with my generation. They really are. Ugh. It's really cringeworthy to watch them. It really is. I, I think Logan is more level-headed than Jake. Jake is just a walking cringe bucket. He really is. God, whenever he's on TV, I just want to throw up. But he did win. Sad as it was. Lost my second bet. Oh, well. Uh, you know, can't cry over spilled milk. But just seeing him think, like, I'm the best boxer in the world is like, oh, my God. The sport is just... People were like, oh, this is so great for boxing. But sometimes it just loses its integrity. It really does kill me to see him do well in that sport. But who am I to judge? Both of them made $2 million for that fight. So both of them got the bag. Great paycheck from them. What's next for Tyron? Ah, that could have been his last fight. He's lost his last, what, four UFC fights. Vincent Luque was his last one via submission in the first round. He's 39 years old. I think he might be done. And then for Jake, Tyron wants to fight again. There's the whole thing with the tattoo. I love Jake Paul. Tyron has to get a tattoo that says I love Jake Paul and I'll fight again. That's just so weird and so cringeworthy. It really is. I just want to see Jake Paul get knocked on his ass. I think everyone wants to see that. And we might get that soon. If he fights maybe, I don't know, Tommy Fury. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, it was a fun event, I guess. You know, Showtime does a great job. I love that they included Dave Portnoy and Big Cat from Barstool to give their insights on on uh, what majors, what or what wagers to make for the fight, rather. They were both going like over, like they weren't winning any of their bets. And by the time the Jake Paul Tyron Willie fight was happening, they had their jackets off, their shirts rolled up. Big Cat was like messing up with his hair. He just looked so so out of it, but it was hysterical. I really do think they should keep Dave and Big Cat around for future events because they're great. They're entertaining. 
and they're very funny. And again, Barstool is just the best. I love Barstool. I love what they do. Great sports book. Great content. Continue to kill it every single time. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Deacon Deacon. So to recap, Ronaldo, back with Man U. We recapped week number three of the Prem. We got the division races and what individual races to keep an eye out for in the MLB. And now college football is back. Everybody watch college football this week. Pick a game, maybe throw a couple bucks on it if that's your thing, and enjoy. Spend some time with the family. Because it's September now, and the fall's coming, and I'm excited because it's college football season. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Expect another announcement this weekend for what two shirts are going to be put up with another poll. You're going to pick your favorite shirt, and whatever one gets the most votes is going to be this year's fundraiser shirt. I'm excited. So should you. Thank you guys so much for listening. For the Deacon Deacon Podcast, I'm Jeremy Striano saying good evening, good night, and we'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody.